0: Hello, and welcome to 73 and Sunny, the podcast about the journey of getting things just right. We talk to tech sales and marketing leaders about how they're growing, dialing in best practices and getting closer to that sweet spot. With us today is a man who is a powerhouse in the performance marketing world, co-founder of Double Positive, former CRO of Digital Media Solutions, and currently running Liner Connections, a sales consulting firm, Joey Liner. Welcome, Joey. What's up, Mr. Cross? Good to see you, my friend. Thanks for having me on your show. For sure. Thanks for being here. I first have to say, walking with Joey through a conference (laughs) floor is a problem. Uh, (laughs) You you can't get five feet. There's always someone coming up to you, wanting to hug you, talking about, you know, there are people that you've worked with, people that you've collaborated with, people that love you. So, first question is how do, how do you get
1: to be the man that everyone knows well i i, I I'm old I've been doing this for <laughs> for 20 years so <laughs> but but you know it's I just have spent thankfully my early stages of joining the performance marketing space just building amazing relationships being that likable guy and just getting to know um getting to know everyone's inner inner workings, you know, as far as like who they are, where they're located, their favorite sports team, how many kids they have. Um, I just been able, it's just a, it's a cool trait that I guess have, 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 uh, been able to, uh, carry through my career is just being able to hit that button when I know, um, I can connect better with people and they trust me. They like me, they know I'm genuine, honest, sincere. I give them my heart. Um, and, most of the time, it really helps me have that better connection. So, yeah, it's like when I'm at the trade shows, it's nice to see everybody. It's just hard to have back-to-back meetings because you're, you're not going to make that next meeting. You need to give yourself that 15-minute buffer.
0: <laughs> I'm not kidding. We, we had a 30-minute meeting, and I think I think in our first, in our first sit-down, and I, don't, I think it was, like, it was like squats. You were like sitting down, stand up, <laughs> sit down, stand up, because people were just coming by. It's, it, it was
1: incredible. Yeah. yeah, and I've also, um, just real quick, sorry, I, I, I've also spent a lot of time in different verticals and industries, and so I think that's been, you know, a lot of folks in our space, they get, they they stay into one specific vertical, and, you know, if you really cast a wider net and you build up a reputation through different verticals, you know, uh, it really helps you expand those those connections. So for me, it's just been, I've been very fortunate to work in different industries and work with a lot of direct brands, work with lead generators, service providers, just kind of open to relationships that, you know, really going to help uh, me and and the other side of that get better. So will you give us a quick overview of how you got to, to
0: where you are running Liner Connections?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been an amazing journey. I've been very fortunate. You know, I got into the performance marketing space in 2002, my good friend Jason Goldsmith and Sean Fenland, uh, Ben Levy, uh, we all start. Uh, we all started working together at a company called the dot com during the first refinance wave coming out of the dot com bubble. There, and you know, we crushed it in the mortgage space. Uh, and one of the big retail mortgage lead gen our buyers had said, "Hey, you know, you guys were we were selling leads like the shared lead model, you know, just like lending LendingTree. Um, it was a leader in the space. It still is today." And uh, and they said, "Hey, we're getting we're having problems getting these people on the phone. Can you get them on the on the phone for us?" And we we're like, "Hey, you know, we don't really have call center back. Well, we we paired up with a call center that really helped us get the consumer on the line and kind of coined that warm transfer uh, phrase and process and started transferring live interested consumers to uh, to a loan officer and started that sales process. We. Uh, then went on to build out Double Positive after the loan page, uh, diversified into other industries after like the financial crisis. We got into insurance, home services, um, education was a big one for us. And then um, we sold Double Positive in 2016. I stayed on and worked for the uh, private equity firm that bought, uh, bought the business and then uh, was approached by DMS going into 2019. After they had done a bunch of acquisitions, they were looking for a chief revenue officer to help ignite the sales process, you know, ignite the solution that the business was offering uh, through multiple different products and services. And that was a great uh, experience, you know, for me to join a big company going from 100 million to 500 million in a couple of years. We went public. uh, And, you know, it just unfortunate some things didn't play out going public that we all wanted. And so um 2022 you know uh halfway through last year i just i'd worked it out with the management team that it was time for me to move on and i always had wanted to go start um i wouldn't say i always wanted to actually i've always been big part of a team but i wanted to just give myself a chance to work by myself for a bit and so it's been about a year and four months since i started Liner connections and uh, i'm loving it I'm, i'm really enjoying working with different companies uh, different verticals different industries and not just sticking to one specific thing
0: so h- how are you feeling coming from working in all these like these large organizations and part of big teams to just being in your in your in your house office and <laughs> kids running in and out and dogs running in and out what what what's uh?
1: <laughs> you've seen that what, firsthand right <laughs> what, what what's the vibe are you liking it I do. And, you know, I I really value when I'm on a call with my clients and if they're in their offices or working with their team or I'm on a group call, I really value being present there with them because I'm an extension of, you know, they've hired me as, you know, to work with them. I really value being part of that culture, that specific moment, you know, in time where we're blocking off that hour, and we're digging into what they're working on, what are their pain points. So I, I'm able to get that connection just different than specifically under the same roof every day with the same people. Uh, I have, you know, a diversified group of clients and prospects that I'm talking to. So I really do value that connection when I'm outside of the, you know, the one-to-one Zoom. Uh, And also, you know, going to conferences is big for me, you know, getting out there. I think that's really where all of business development is is happening now post-pandemic because... You know, we used to get on planes and go visit clients specifically in their office and spend a day and a half, which, you know, is important. But I think you can get a lot more done now being, you know, going and attending shows that you can see a lot more folks in person and, um, and really value that now knowing, you know, that got, that was blocked during the pandemic. But really being present now at shows is something that, you know, I don't take for granted.
0: It's really interesting. You mentioned that that's where beat that the conferences and trade shows are where BD is happening. Because I think that from a, from a direct selling perspective, I think that's actually gotten worse at trade shows and conferences, like for people coming to buy directly. Yeah. What, there's the, the topics of these, com, uh, the, the conventions and, com, and conferences that I've been to in the last, it's a year and a half, the yeah. vendors are going, man, where are the buyers or man, this place doesn't seem to have a lot of buyers coming. Right. But the, the B2B, building relationships and business relationships seem to be that seems to be where you you have to go and so it's become less and maybe it's always been that way to some degree but it's become less of a place where you might necessarily go to find new customers but where you go
1: to find partners. That's a really good point. I think we are, you know, there's a couple conferences that do get a lot more direct brands to attend, but you're right, most for the most part it's a lot of uh the generators, suppliers, service providers, vendors. But like like you said, it's a good time to sit down with them and have a more strategic, you know, conversation, deeper dive into how you can work together and maybe go after a partnership with a brand together. Um, you know, the brands do get attacked when they go to shows because some of them are scared uh, to attend. But, you know, we keep encouraging them to get out there. I think also part of the, it's the economy, you know, they've they probably have had budget cuts and just yeah. – as far as traveling and attending, they can't attend all the shows. Whereas, if you work for a lead generator, or service provider, really you bake it into the budget. And you get one win out of it, and it pays for itself, right? So, yeah. I think it's just different when you're on the direct brand. But that's a good point. That's a really good point. But it's, I think it's, we still we're still evolving and learning uh, post pandemic together. Well,
0: and going back to Liner Connections, yeah, this probably is one of the. One of the top, you know, from, from an opportunity perspective, companies and brands need consulting, maybe in the, in the performance marketing space more than ever, I want to pivot to the challenges and, and regulations and legislation that are, that are happening within the industry. I guess we should start if you can give us an overview of kind of what, what are the most current challenges? Uh, I don't know if we should assume that everyone listening to this podcast knows what TCPA is, but maybe if you could jump like a, a little bit, kind of a, a, a primer for, for those who don't know what, what is, what are the regulations around the industry? What are the challenges happening? If you could just speak into that a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, this is probably one of the most challenging times and I've been doing this for 20 years, I would say where the industry is facing uh stiff stiff uh, uh regulatory uh front right now from the ftc the fcc uh in regards to you know lead generation and consumer experience uh, but you know what i'll back up a second and just say i've you know because i've been doing this for a long time i have seen some pretty uh pivotal moments in time where everybody kind of freaked out a little bit um but it made the community stronger uh, let's go back to 2004 um, when the do not call list was, was, was evolved. You know, I think everybody at the time didn't know like, Hey, like if you, you know, and first when uh, president Bush just said that he was going to deploy the do not call list. um That was really when, you know, we were just calling every, every number in, in the phone book. If you, if you bet, you know, and, uh, and just harassing consumers. And I think the, the solution to that was, hey, Mr. Smith sought an online form and in the privacy policy, it states that we can contact them. You know, we have an existing business relationship in EBR. And we'll call them up to 90 days. I kind of persisted for a while. And then cell phones grew. Right. They evolved and people started buying plans and Uh, You know, if you remember when you bought cell phones, like at first in plans, you paid per minute. It wasn't all you can eat like it is today. And so you would get unwanted calls on your cell phone or texts and you had to pay for that. Well, it took the government years and years and years to ultimately catch up and put legislation and expand the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. To have the mobile provision in 2013 that said, hey, you have to have written express consent to contact this consumer Via automated dialing technology. Uh, by that time, we were years into all-you-can-eat plans. We weren't paying per minute, but the government finally put that plan in place, and you know, it now protected consumers that you know were not going to pay per that specific instance. But it also woke our space. A lot of people, unfortunately, got hit up with Telephone Consumer Protection Act complaints uh, for not having express written consent. But I will say it brought the community better uh, together because we uh, all at the time lead generators kind of came to, hey, where do we put that language by the submit button that says, by clicking here, you have authorized ABC to contact me via automated dialing technology. And it worked, do we put a checkbox? How big does the font need to be? Everybody kind of came together around that and unified and built this marketing partners list that uh, anytime you wanted somebody to be able to have the ability to call, you put them in your marketing partners list. Fast forward to where we are today. Uh, the industry has gotten a little way out of hand, actually. So it's, it's, you know, the marketing partners list for a lot of lead generation companies lists 10,000 different names. So anytime you sign a contract with a potential buyer, you just add them to your marketing partners list. So it's not clear who you're going to contact of who the consumer is going to be in contact with. And I think the FCC saying saying that's, that's got to stop. Like there's just too many people on these lead generation pages. Number two is there's a lot of cross-sell, down-sell, you know, that's occurring that the consumer isn't being aware of what's happening. So it's not clear. Uh, so the FCC saying the multi-lead generation paths that are happening today, that's that's got to stop as well. Um, to, cl- to clarify what you mean, Yep. when when people are opting in so they're
0: going to a website they're saying yep. they're, they're they're interested in let's say a uh let's let's call it an easy one a mortgage let's say they're interested yep. in a mortgage they they fill out an inquiry form that says they want someone to reach out to them to tell them what kind of rate they can get that's right and then attached to that so then the 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 rule is only the partners who are listed there are able to call me. So maybe I'm saying, maybe I'm on a, on a, on a, a website that has multiple mortgage lenders listed. Yeah. I'm saying it's okay for all these, let's say five people to call me, but there might be a link that has 10,000 people in it. That's right. And by, by clicking submit that I'm because of the way that they're structured, that I'm also agreeing to ten 000, those other 10,000 people to call me and that feels
1: wrong, right? It It is. And, and that's what's happened, right? Is that, you know, you're right. We used to be at a point where you fill out a mortgage form and say, these five lenders will contact you. That doesn't happen anymore. You go through a form, there's a click wall, the consumer can click on multiple different offers. But if you get an outbound dial from a mortgage company up to five times, that's probably how it should work for a competitive process. Right. But then some roofing company calls you some homes, uh, you know, home insurance company calls you. And if you, if you read the mobile provision for the, uh tcpa from 2013 you're only supposed to call the consumer for where they where the direct offering was where you have expressed consent the lead generation companies got crafty on like you said how they created that other verticals to outbound and i think the fcc rightfully so is saying we need to we need to hone in really on what the consumer uh wants and 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 you know we're not putting the consumer first as a lead generation business i think a lot of companies got revenue driven models way before first, before the consumer experience. And now the FC saying this has got to stop. So the biggest issue that I think we're facing today as a community is the one-to-one consent doomsday model, which is the FCC saying, we're gonna take away lead generation agents. So you no longer can go to a different site and then say, ABC will call you. You're gonna have to go direct to that brand and get their consent. that's that's doomsday which i don't think is going to happen because the consumer doesn't win consumer goes online because they want to comparison shop and if we can go back and put rules in place on how many people or how many brands can get matched to that consumer, how many times they can potentially outreach to that consumer um and give them specifically what they were looking for i think hopefully there'll be some compromise there's Two organizations that are working closely with the regulatory uh, boards and the FCC and the FTC, it's uh, Eric Trotman's Reach uh, and uh, Consumer Consent Council, which is now under PACE. Um, those those two organizations are leading the charge and trying to help build standards for our space so we uh, we do get to work in some common ground. Because I do think the worst thing that can happen for us and the consumer, quite frankly, is if... Uh, they only get matched to one company and there's no comparison shopping. You know, they just, they could, if that consumer sells, if that brand sells them a higher margin product, you know, and the consumer just goes with it, they didn't shop. And I think that's not fair. And so I think we we have to find some common ground. I wonder how, those are
0: great points. Thank you for that insight. I I wonder how, if you've followed up or been following how AI is is expected to upset and disrupt search instead of Googling best Italian restaurants and getting, you know, whatever Google puts at the top. And you could, you could potentially through it, through an AI search through something like chat GPT, you know, that's kind of connected or through, through other searches, be able to say, you know, give me the highest rated or, you know, give me the highest rated restaurants within this the square miles, this many mm-hmm. square miles with this zip code and you 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 might assume that the same thing would happen for something like a mortgage or something like home services where you'd say find me the companies with the best five rates is there is there and i'm and i'm sure that the government's going to be behind in regulating how this this kind of thing would work is there something for consent in that way so that you might be able to provide consent via the actual search itself i'm sure there there's As I said, it's probably going to the regulations are probably going to be behind on it. But is there is there any motion that you're seeing behind the scenes towards using AI for consent or ways that, that that might that might work in the future?
1: You know, I haven't I've seen AI used as a mechanism to, you know, it continues to evolve as a as a to connect the consumer, you know, through SMS or through even now there's outbound AI uh, replacing human agents. I haven't seen it yet from a consent capture, but I will say this. I think there is a little game of uh, wait and see right now, you know, from the lead generation community and they want to see how the FCC responds to the NPRM, um, which should be in the next month notice of proposed rulemaking change is what is the NPRM. And um, I think, you know, there there hasn't been any major changes to consent capture yet because I think most of the lead gen companies are waiting to see what the FCC says is they're going to do. Now matching engines may need to change. Like how, like I said, you match up the four different We use mortgages as an example, four different mortgage companies will be paired up and uh, it's clear who they're got. there, they're, you know, who got matched to and they'll be calling I think there are companies that are looking into that matching process and publishing it so that it, so they can be ready. If the FCC says, Hey, by March, you have to make sure that it's clear. Um, there also may be, they need more time. They may just say they may come back and say they need some more time to evaluate uh, all sides of it. Uh, there is a new commissioner that just came into the FCC recently. So, um, you know, I would encourage anyone that's listening that they want to learn more is to uh, you know, there's some some good industry blogs like TCPA World. Uh, Consumer Consent Council puts out a great newsletter. That's where you can keep up the speed on some of the what's 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 potentially going to change. But I haven't seen AI yet get incorporated with uh, consent. But I'll bet you at some point it will be. <laughs> and so
0: I'll I'll be a little more general here. Yeah. If if you were going to consult a brand, let's mm-hmm. say a brand comes to you, they've got. First-party data that they're collecting on their website, but they want to get into uh, performance marketing or lead generation. Can you? What What are some things that they should look out for? What are some tips potentially that they should start with right away? Is there? Are there? And this, I'm not fishing for verse, but are there tools yes. that you would recommend that 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 everybody have, or that that if as a business, as a brand starting out with lead gen, that, that you would say, well, you should definitely have these kinds of things in place.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm actually working with some brands now that are entering the performance marketing space. So I'm having these conversations live like it's still relevant. It's a good question because, you know, you would think, oh, man, a lot of people in performance marketing would get stuck in silos. They assume everybody has everything figured out. It's not the case. Um, Lead management. You have to have a good CRM uh, to be able to intake leads and then track them properly from uh, sales milestones. Uh, But you also have to make sure that you can, uh, it's a point of sale system as well. So sometimes you can do that together or have a separate system where this point of sale connects to the CRM, but making sure your front lines has access to the leads. But if you're using a good CRM, you can route leads properly based on geographic location, time of day. Uh, We use the terminology filters in our space to uh, distinguish those those points to make sure that they're uh, you know they're tracked properly and and get to the right sales professional. Uh, contact engagement is also key. So if you're new to performance marketing and you're looking for hey if I'm if I am acquiring leads, how am I getting in touch with the consumer? Is it an outbound dial? Is my speed good enough? Am I making enough dial attempts to contact the consumer? Uh, Am I using SMS, Uh, AI SMS, which I'm a big fan of? I know uh, the Verse team are constantly uh, evolving, you know, the AI SMS engagement process. Um, And I think that's key. You know, you guys are the leaders in making sure that uh, consumers can speak to people when they really want to, which is critical, right? We as an industry uh, have always pounded the phone to make sure that, we've outbound and to when it's convenient for the sales professional. Well, let's try to look at it when it's convenient for the consumer. So if you go into that mindset and you're buying leads and you're doing a good workflow, Hey, let's make it convenient for the consumer to engage with us when it's convenient for them, not just convenient for us. Email marketing. Also I think is very uh, important to make sure that you're following up the consumer. Um, And it's funny. I just had a conversation with a friend right before this meeting and It was about still a lot of sales, operations, and marketing, not connecting the dots. You run into so many organizations that don't communicate. And it's simple sometimes. You just have to dumb it down and just make sure that everybody's working together for the same common goal. It's not just buy more leads. It's not just add more budget. It's not just sales needs to convert more. Make sure your infrastructure is connected. Use companies that are going to help you uh connect the dots you know don't be afraid to partner with best of breed in any specific uh area of your business that you 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 know when you're getting into lead gen that's going to help you succeed
0: yeah that's such a it's such a huge point because we talk to and you wouldn't be surprised because you're in it but other people would be surprised because you know from the outside perspective you always see large organizations and you like exactly as you said you think that they you think that they have everything figured out and you go well they're big so they must they must do everything kind of in a way that's way more sophisticated than the, than we do and they must have everything connected and when you have conversations with the right people you find out they go well we have this CRM and this POS system and they don't really talk to each other so we actually got this other it's an appointment setting system and you're like oh well those talk to each other no 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 we don't we don't really have our appointment setting connected to our CRM and it's not connected to the point sales. so you think you're always surprised, and again, you're not always surprised, but you're always surprised that the, these organizations that are large and have paid a lot of money for these tools haven't put them into place the way that they should be put into place. And I'll, I'll go back to something that you said that I think is really important, and it's that a lot of brands and sales organizations, they do what, they, they do what they've done in the past that's worked. Right. And you mentioned omni channel and using SMS and there's a lot of different ways to use SMS for this, but the idea that you're going to create an outbound system where the goal for you is the call, right? You want to get them on, on a call with your sales agent. So what you do is call. See, well, that makes sense, but yeah, th- there's a lot of op- there's a lot of opportunities and avenues for ways to create calls. And one of the things that makes me excited or that, that one of the reasons I like working with first Vers- is you have the problem is you want to create more you want to create more opportunities for the sales team all they all they know how to do is dial but both of those things are uh, unrelated to what what the consumer wants right now and what the consumer might want is not to talk to anybody they might have inquired they might be laying in bed they might be you know waiting for their kid at school and the car's parked and they they've put the information in and the kid gets in they're not going to take a phone call with a home services person they're not going to talk about a solar system while they're driving um solar systems out of like space. They're not going to <laughs> <to solar laughs> you're not,
1: they're
0: not for whatever reason they're not going to get on a call right now and we have to if we're going to if you're going to be consumer first and if you call it one of your values yeah. as a brand that we care about how we do business with you you're You have to care about their preferences in in terms of engagement too. So text messages allows you to have those initial conversations, set up a call for later, and I just really like the freedom that it allows and 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 really goes to another in another direction in terms of getting in touch with people.
1: Agreed. And look, you talk about regulation and consumer engagement; like it's a good inflection point now, actually, that we're going to see, you know, going into twenty twenty four where one methodology where you just pound the phone or, you know, one now where you're looking at, you know, putting the consumer first, there'll be a nice kind of collision course here. And, and you'll be forced to find different ways to use your systems better and to treat the consumer better and like dig in or you're not going to be compliant. Um So I think it's it's actually a good intersection right now that we're going to be running into here where uh, we'll be forced to to be smarter and compliant in how we engage with the consumer. And it's going to make everybody feel better um, instead of just leaving that stuff uh, getting dusty on the shelf. Totally
0: agree. Joey, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We appreciate you. We're happy to know you. We're really grateful for all the insights you provided. So thank you so much for
1: coming on. Yeah, no, it's an honor. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm really... Uh, it's quite, I'm glad to be able to be on the show and be a good friend of you and the team. So, uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, Joey.